stand then for the call to worship. <clears throat> I'll actually be from 1 Peter 1 verses 18 to 19 as Peter wrote, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you indeed that you are the God of our salvation. You have provided it as only you could and in the only way it was obtainable, even through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he came into this world in perfect obedience and righteousness, and he gave himself willingly, freely, in perfect love and obedience at the cross. Yes, his blood shed for your people is what we must rely upon. He is that Savior and Lord we do look to at all times. May that be more and more evident in our lives and our thoughts, words, and deeds, and that we would bear witness unto Christ at all times. Be with us now, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Guide us that our worship would be fitting before you and that you would be honored as our God, our Redeemer, and that we would indeed be built up in faith and service Guide and direct us. Turn us away from our sins. We know there are many, but we have a great, great Savior, and we rely upon him. And so we ask for your blessings, and that you'd be with us. Guide and direct us in Jesus' name, and for his sake. Amen. again confess the true Christian faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed, saying, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. And let us turn to our first hymn for this evening. Number 252, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.
Of course, the world can take for granted what Jesus did at the cross, but we must not, what he did showing such love and grace to win the salvation of all God's people certainly does demand our soul, our life, our all, that we serve him in all thankfulness all our days. Let's turn to our Psalter reading then, number, well, Psalm 22, page 795. Page 795, we'll read responsibly the first 21 verses. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry in daytime, but you do not hear, and the night season, and am not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a and no man, a reproach of men, and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of nation have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, and has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me, the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones, they look and stare at me. But you, O Lord, be not far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. Well, of course, that psalm is amazing, truly amazing. Psalm of David, a thousand years before Christ came, and describing, certainly looking ahead in the fullness of what's foretold here of Christ's suffering on the cross. That is so evident, so clear, as the passage is quoted in so many ways with the crucifixion of Jesus, even how they cast lots for his clothing and so forth, and they pierced his hands and his feet, the crucifixion, something that was really unknown at that time. The very words the enemy said as they mocked him and called upon God to save him, if he will have him, all of those evil things they did. They blasphemed our Lord and Savior, but he, beloved, he went all the way. He endured it all willingly, 
Yes, in such love, such grace to save his people. He so suffered. And at the end, it says, you have answered me. As the rest of the psalm, I think, really goes on to look to the resurrection day. Jesus knew he would be answered by the Father. He would be raised up from the dead. And so he was. He received that vindication. And so he is our Lord who did it all, even in confidence in the Heavenly Father, and suffered for the sake of all his people. Thanks be to God for such a Savior and Lord that we, you and I, can rely upon at all times, trusting in him. Well, we have such a God and Savior again through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he invites us to worship him and we're to live in worship and praise of our God and we can pray to him. So let us join together in our time of prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do want to give you honor and praise and glory. We know it was your eternal plan of salvation that you have brought to pass that uh, the Son of God would come into this world according to the covenant of redemption, that counsel of the triune God, that the Father chose to bring sinners to forgiveness and life, and the Son of God would come and to enable it by his righteousness and his sacrifice in our place And the Holy Spirit would apply the saving merits of the Lord Jesus. And so we thank you, triune God, for such redemption that you have brought to pass. May we be more thankful, O Lord. May we seek your honor and your glory in all things of life and give you praise. We know that you provide for us all good things. Yes, all things necessary for body and soul. Every day we depend upon your mercies and we take that for granted so easily. May we not do so. May we rather give you thanks and praise for every breath, every moment of life, every bit of food, everything that we have from you. But above all, may we honor you again for the one way of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died bearing the wrath of God at the cross, that he won the victory for all your people, that he endured it and that he suffered hell there, and he was one also in his resurrection. And so we know, O Christ, you are the risen and ruling Lord, now ascended to heaven. You have all authority over the universe, and you do all things well. Certainly then we may have comfort. We do have that in life and in death when we rely upon your mercies, your redeeming love and work. May we show that gratitude to you that is only fitting and right more and more. Help us to be your witnesses. Yes, may many more be one to this one way of salvation. May many more be brought to repentance and faith by your sovereign saving work. O Lord our God, we do pray certainly that we would be faithful in in pointing others to the Lord Jesus. We pray for us as a congregation, as families and individuals. Help us all serve you gladly. Certainly help our officers. Help us to be diligent in serving you and and being uh, your Uh, uh, officers in the congregation to guide and direct your people. We certainly pray for all our churches in the RCS and our mission works. We pray for your power and your mercy to be manifest in each place. May your name go forward, O Heavenly Father, that you would receive all the praise and glory. We pray for our country that it might be turned to you and have a great reawakening that many more would be turned to the Lord. Instead of going in the ways of evil man, we see that in 
Now, in so many instances, so many ways in our, our culture and in other lands as well, we pray for your saving grace, rather, to be manifest. Again, thank you for answering prayers for us as we rely upon you. We do praise you for doing that, even with those who are suffering now. We do pray for your continued blessings upon Elisha and upon Zach and Elijah and Matthew and bless them. Oh Lord, we thank you for answering prayers even with the cancer treatments and seeing shrinkage of the tumor. And we pray that this next week would go uh, according to your perfect will also, and that you would provide in that. And we thank you that you have indeed enabled her to go through this time. And we ask for your blessings upon them and you'll provide for the family in every way. We pray for Aaron and Paul and their children. Again, we praise you for answering and that she was able to go uh, to the uh, treatment center in Mexico and have your work there being even manifest and in, in, uh, the shrinkage of tumors and, and that her liver function is better. and She's able to breathe and feel well, much better than she has. And so we praise you for that. We pray that will continue to be the case and that you will deliver her and Alicia completely from the cancer. Thank you for your faithfulness, O Lord our God. With others we think of, help us all to re remember your goodness, O Lord, to look to you for comfort and peace, and know that in Christ, the risen Lord and Savior, we have that confidence in life and in death. So may we truly rely upon you. Help me to proclaim your word, and that we would be edified looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive our sins, turn us away from all our unrighteousness, and lead us in your paths of, of, uh, of truth instead. We pray that you would guide and direct us. Again, help us, and may we grow in faith and numbers according to your good pleasure, as you see fit. We ask it all for your glory and for our good, through Christ our Lord, with the forgiveness of our sins. Amen. Let us turn then to 247, O sacred head now wounded, as we'll stand to sing.
What language shall I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend, for this thy dying sorrow, thy pity? passage for the sermon today is Mark 15, verses 6 to 15. In Mark 15, starting at verse 6. Now at the feast, he was accustomed, Pilate was, to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas, who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate wanted to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Now, you know, we can all too easily take for granted the horrendous injustice of sinful man in so many ways. Abortion is the most obvious example. Also, you could think of the targeting of civilians, even men, women, and children, by terrorists or those in declared wars. And those who risk their lives in humanitarian aid can likewise be targeted and killed. Or now we could think how young children are being groomed for homosexuality and transgenderism. All of that is truly horrendous and cries out for God's wrath to fall. And yet, dear ones, the worst injustice man has ever committed was to reject and crucify Jesus Christ. For he, of course, was the only one absolutely perfect and innocent, the Holy One of God, the one the Father sent. 
Even so, what we know then happened to Jesus on Good Friday was accomplished according to God's sovereign plan. And this unique event in history you and I must rely upon for eternal salvation. Yes, so must all who desire that acceptance with the Holy God instead of eternal condemnation. Well, the four Gospels certainly give detail to the injustice of man done unto Jesus, leading him to the cross. And so let us consider first how it was evident, that injustice was evident in rejecting Christ. But secondly, the plan of God to save believers was their accomplished. Now, when our Lord appeared before Pilate, it was really, as said, the trial of Pilate. For he was shown as condemned, weak, and unjust, fearing the crowd. And as one said, turbulent Palestine was to be the grave of many ambitious administrators' careers, for these Jews had influence at Rome. Yes, more than one Caesar reacted in accord with what the Hebrews wanted, outside of being at war with them at times. And here with all these unbelievers, the injustice of man was evident in rejecting Christ. It was so even in the comparison made to Jesus. Well, as seen as a Jewish time of rejoicing, the Roman administrator over Judea would release one prisoner at the Passover feast. And you know that feast, of course, was a reminder to the Jews of their deliverance from bondage as slaves in Egypt. That had occurred about 1450 B.C. At this time, they were under bondage to Rome, to the empire. And so freeing one prisoner was meant to give them some satisfaction or acceptance, supposedly, of their position. Today, or not too many years ago, it was similar with many nations that won their independence at Africa and elsewhere when Political prisoners from the past were released. However, beloved, to associate even release of a wicked criminal with worship of the Lord God was displeasing to him, of course. For our worship, yours and mine, must be righteous, that is, in accord with God's word. But here Pilate was quite willing to release a prisoner as a way to get this Jesus of Nazareth off his hands. For he saw no fault in him, as he said repeatedly in the other Gospels. He certainly did not believe Jesus was guilty of rebellion, nor, if, nor that he was of any threat at all. And so when the Jews wanted a prisoner released, it appears from Matthew's account that Pilate himself suggested Jesus who is called Christ rather than Barabbas. And perhaps that governor thought even the envious Jewish leaders could not be so inconsistent to ask for a proven rebellious murderer. For they had falsely accused Jesus of rebellion, as in Luke's account. In any case, it seems that Barabbas was of the zealot party, that group committed to overthrowing Roman domination by violence. And it says he committed murder in that a recent rebellion. You know, some ma- manuscripts of Matthew have that named man named 
Jesus Barabbas. And of course, Jesus is from the common Hebrew name Joshua, meaning Yahweh or the Lord saves. But what does Barabbas mean? Son of the Father. Yet not of God the Father, of course. Barabbas was a son of his spiritual father, the devil. And yet here he was being compared to Jesus Christ, the Holy Son of God. And so, yes, the very comparison of a murderous rebel not sent by God, comparing him unto the Holy Son of God sent for our sakes, that was gross injustice. It should not have been a comparison even thought of at all. And it should be even more staggering to us, dear ones, that the Holy Lord Jesus is ever compared to sinners today as unbelievers so often do. The injustice of man is evident in rejecting Christ, of course. It was so in the crowd's choice. Well, five days earlier, a multitude in chapter 11, 9 and following cried out saying that Jesus of Nazareth was the blessed king who came in the name of the Lord. And yet here so many of the crowd shouted, crucify him. Well, how can you explain such a change, such injustice? One explanation is simply that it was a different crowd now. And perhaps many here were followers and servants of the chief priests who came to Pilate's headquarters bringing Jesus there. Those leaders had feared, as in John eleven forty eight, that if many believed in Jesus, then the Romans would attack them. Or many of this crowd were simply satisfied with their worldly benefits of submission to Rome, and they would not risk rebellion. After all, there was division among the people, as John's Gospel says again and again. Some thought Jesus was mad to speak of laying down his life and having power to take it up again. John chapter 10. Still, I say, think, think that some of them who had rejoiced in Christ on Palm Sunday now saw him as a seemingly helpless prisoner not fighting against the Romans, but submitting to them. And so their thoughts changed quickly to reject him, for he was no king they wanted, thinking God would send a Messiah to fight the Roman rulers with military power. Yes, they wanted a rebel leader like Barabbas when the choice was made. Again, the injustice of their wicked thinking was so evident no true prophet had said God would overthrow Rome by force for them. Of course, also as in our verse 11, the chief priest stirred up the crowd for the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. And they must have said, well, we had this trial, the so-called trial of our Lord, and said he blasphemed and he deserved death in claiming to be God's son. Finally, in desperation, when all the false charges were not convincing Pilate, they said in John 19.7, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. And no doubt they 
also intimidated the crowd as before, saying that anyone asking for Jesus to be released would be put out of the synagogue. Then Pilate unjustly submitted to the crowd when he was threatened. As in John's account, they said, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Well, brothers and sisters, everyone, everyone who hears of the injustice done to Christ is also called to a choice. To a choice. You and I are called to stand for him as God's choice and our choice. And we must do that whatever the crowds or multitudes of this world do and whatever the trials of our faith that we will face here. Oh, may it be the right choice always, the choice of Jesus Christ for each one of us. Otherwise, we will commit the injustice of man in rejecting him. That injustice was evident then in the crucifixion of Jesus. Now in verse 10, Pilate knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. They certainly did not want Jesus to have the fame and following he had. They wanted that loyalty for themselves alone, and Pilate knew it. He knew that was their motivation. And therefore, as in Luke and John, that governor continually said, I find no fault in him. And here, what has he done wrong? I know of nothing. And so it was the worst injustice of man that he was, Jesus was crucified. And Pilate was an unjust judge, even asking, as in our verse 12, what then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? Brothers and sisters, it's clear, isn't it? There's obviously no basis for a judge to ask a mob what judgment to render. A judge is supposed to do justice, what is right according to true laws. And again, how that needs to be heeded in our land and other nations today. Instead of the twisting of such laws and constitutions and so forth. Well, certainly in believing Jesus was innocent, Pilate should have released him, and he should not have even suggested scourging Christ, as Luke records, thinking that should satisfy the crowd. One innocent should have no punishment. Perhaps to shame them into saying Jesus should be released, he declared, you call him your king. And would you want someone even call that to be crucified? Or they knew. They said that was the most shameful death. And what a shame it would be to you for one called your king to be crucified. That's what he implied to that. Then in John 19.15, the governor said directly, Shall I crucify your king? But the chief priests replied, we have no king but Caesar. In effect, you see, they preferred to be slaves forever than accept the Redeemer whom God had offered to them. Indeed, the crowd had already said there, not this man but Barabbas. They did not want Jesus to be considered as their king either. 
And again, in our text, Pilate asked, what evil has he done? And, you know, they certainly could not say, well, he's not leading us against you. No, they couldn't say that, though they thought it. Oh, in so many ways, the injustice of man was evident in our blessed Lord's crucifixion. And to the end, Pilate declared he was innocent. And you and I know that was God's perfect judgment as he declared it, even through this earthly judge, Jesus had done no evil ever. And yet you know so many are like that governor who ultimately do not care about what's true, only what seems to help them. And unbelievers are blind to the gospel. They may say, it's, oh, it's good. Jesus came to save sinners. And yet they think they should be accepted by God, well, maybe for their good intentions. Oh, again, to Roman thought, crucifixion was the most shameful death as inflicted on a slave or a foreigner. But to the Jews, it meant more, you know, as a sign of God's curse. For in Deuteronomy 21, that declared that one hanged on a tree or a cross, was accursed of God as a criminal. As for Pilate, he was also unjust in trying to avoid his responsibility again and again, and certainly in condemning an innocent man to that death. He knew what he was doing that again. Verse 15, to gratify the crowd. And that is the worst indictment for any judge in itself. Likewise, today, how many judgments are being made going against our laws and truth because even a small minority, the smallest minority, wants perversity. Oh, here Pilate would have released Jesus if it did him no harm, and he was for a time determined to do so, and yet he had Christ crucified. Again, fellow believers, that's also a warning to us. We cannot follow our concerns for our perceived good instead of the truth of God and righteousness when that seems to bring us trouble. And Jesus said it will many times. If they persecuted him, they'll persecute us. And we have trials to go through in this life to reach the glory to come. Also, our sins of all kinds are certainly more in number than you and I know. But we must acknowledge that when we have not trusted in our Lord completely in everything, we have been unjust. We have shown then the injustice of man there in rejecting Christ in those ways. Think of that when we disobey. Still, beloved, thanks. Thanks be to our God that Christ is the faithful Redeemer always. And he provided that one way for the forgiveness of all our sins. Every single one. We can celebrate that in true repentance and faith. For secondly, the plan of God to save believers was accomplished. Now in Acts 2, Peter declared that the rejection of Christ was within the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. 
It was all planned for believers' salvation, of course. And yes, it was accomplished in the innocent king of the universe. Indeed, our Lord Jesus is not only innocent of all unrighteousness, he had none of that, but he is king over all things now. And true Jews, that is, all believers of every nation, will bow willingly, gladly to him. Unbelievers will bow unwillingly at the last day, according to Philippians 2. They will confess who he is. They will have to. Of course, here, Pilate did not believe that Jesus was any real or earthly king, as he thought of such. And so he felt he had nothing to fear from him. But again, he was pressed by the chief priest to say, to say Jesus should die as one just claiming a kingship, a rebel against Rome. Well, the perverseness of human nature has shown that Pilate did not release, did not release Christ, but he could not resist avenging himself. He called Jesus the king of the Jews, knowing it would provoke those leaders and finally, he put the sign of accusation over our Lord, saying in three languages that he was the king of the Jews. In any case, such spiteful vengeance and taunting is seen in that, is seen very clearly. The very need for a king to free sinners from their corruption. Yes, we each need a saving, spiritual king. And he must be innocent to accomplish that deliverance for us. And so Christ is. Yet the crowd rejected this innocent king and wanted a murderer. And so in God's justice, they received no king. They wanted Barabbas, a rebel, and received... What they received from God then was just punishment 40 years later. When they did then fight against the Romans, the Jews were defeated and their nation destroyed in 70 A.D. Well, you know, that reality then continued almost 1,900 years until 1948 when Israel was reconstituted. But it is yet a, just a nation of this world, having rejected Christ. Repentance and trust in him is needed there and in every land surrendering to Christ the king who rules over all oh beloved you and I must hold to and proclaim Jesus as this innocent king of the universe think of what he said as in Luke nine fifty six, that he did not come to destroy men's lives but to save them and that includes Jews the Romans and all Gentiles all people who will trust in him and submit to his holy rule Yes, that's what the Jews should have seen foretold in the Old Testament of the Messiah. For he was even there said to be one bringing peace, pardon, and righteousness, even by suffering for his true people, all of God's elect. Yes, dear ones, that tells us that you and I must be diligent hearers and students of God's word, lest we miss what our king is like. Indeed, we must each learn of Christ more and more. Otherwise, we will be sinfully ignorant about Him and about the Scriptures and God's amazing, perfect plan of salvation.
So let each one learn more of our innocent King and gladly surrender all of life to Him. Then you and I can always rejoice that the plan of God to save believers was accomplished. It was lastly accomplished in the innocent Savior of His people. Well, let us remember how Jesus bore with being counted lower than a murderer in order to take our sins on Himself. Again, he endured the crowd's rejection and this crucifixion, bearing hell there for God's people. Jesus submitted to all of this outrage when he justly could have destroyed his enemies. As he said to the apostles, he could have called for 12 legions of angels to protect him if that was God's plan. Our Lord instead showed his utter devotion to the Father's will and to his plan for our Redemption. Well, you know, some have struggled with all of this, even to ask, how could the righteous God permit such injustice from man to his son? And some yeah, celebrities have even said, God would never do that. It is staggering. Staggering. The answer for God's elect is as found in Isaiah 53, 6 and 8. That the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And for the transgressions of my people he was stricken. Also in 2 Corinthians 5.21 it is most wonderful for us. That he, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Yes, Jesus was counted as if the worst criminal among men. To bring us to heaven. And so God delivered him up for us all. That is the wonderful assurance to all Christians found in Romans 8. Well, consider one last foreshadowing in the Old Testament. Declaring how Jesus would be the innocent Savior. That is from the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16. As God commanded... Then a scapegoat was set free after the guilt of God's people was pronounced over it. The hands of the priest put on the head of the scapegoat and it was set free, set free into the wilderness. Like that, the guilt of Barabbas was declared, yet he went free. The other goat was slaughtered. As its blood was said to make atonement for the sins of the people, sins which would have kept them from God without it. That obviously pointed to the actual blood of Jesus, which alone could truly make atonement for our sins. And so, brothers and sisters, the innocent Savior, our blessed Lord Jesus Christ, suffered all that was required for his people. He fulfilled all of God's law the commandments and the sacrifices. It was fulfilled then at the cross and with the injustice from men which he bore with the severity of his suffering, even hell on the cross, God's wrath for our rebellion, you and I should hate our sins more and more. Certainly we should. Yes, dear ones, we must seek God's pardon in Christ alone. 
May we seek greater freedom also from our transgressions in our lives by His grace and Spirit, the Spirit of God working in us. Also remember that Pilate had no way, no way to avoid taking a stand for or against Jesus. And against him is where he ended up. Likewise, at the day of judgment, there will be no middle ground. No middle ground. There will only be those for Christ as their Savior or those against him. And so the decisive time to commit yourself, to commit ourselves to him, is always now. Now. Yes, today, let each one of us hear his voice and respond with continual repentance and trust in him in all gratitude. Oh, beloved, may you and I be more committed unto Jesus Christ, the innocent one, our holy King and Savior. Amen. Let us pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, again we give you oh, praise and glory. We thank you indeed for the Lord Jesus Christ as he came and did it all. There was no way for us to have forgiveness and righteousness, acceptance in your sight through him, except through him, the Holy One, the Lamb of God, obeyed in every thought, word, and deed, and went to the cross, as foretold, even as we saw that in Psalm 22. Yes, he suffered. He bore the wrath of God. He died, but was raised up on the third day. And so we have a living, ruling Savior and King, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is that holy, innocent one. And so we have forgiveness, righteousness. Yes, acceptance with you forever justification only through him. We praise you for your mercies and your eternal plan. May we be your witnesses then also. Show our thankfulness in living for you in all things and pointing others unto him. Guide and direct us, we do pray, for your glory as we ask it. Through Christ our Lord, with the forgiveness of our sins. And now we do pray together as Christ taught us to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This time we'll give of our tithes and offerings to the Lord in thankfulness.
turn to our last hymn, 254, Alas, and did my Savior bleed. benediction. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.